count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Y'all, what is going on? The Lost Highway podcast continues on. We're going to keep on trucking. Episode 30. Everything really is present tense. Everything is happening now. Even desires, objects, ghosts, and achievements of yesterday. The effect each variable of life has upon us creates exponential results that we cannot fully comprehend in totality. Whom and what we come in contact with yesterday will affect today. And for today, there is tomorrow. The one constant between all chapters of life is that there always was now. Capital N. There always was now. There always was the moment. And until there is no more, there always will be now. That is all there is that is within a domain of our control fully. Mark Cuban. I forget which episode of Shark Tank it was. He said so wisely, uh, the only thing you have full control of over any project in your life relationship is your amount of effort that you can put into it. That's real. Uh, whatever low, high, or neutral energy you find yourself on today, it will soon pass. Stay neutral. Stay in that middle right stay unaffected by these temporary things of life and get in touch with that ever solitary present self that kind of is in this unchanging dome part of our resumes collectively is our ability to traverse hardship and to consistently interact with the present in ways that leverage future success y'all look into the eyes of now aspire to see things as they are and give your now the best version of yourself that you can express Give your now the best version of yourself that you can express. You give the present moment something. Also, I went horseback riding again last week. And I fucking love it. I legitimately love riding horses. I've lived in Tennessee since I was eight years old. And there are all kinds of Tennessee walking horses. Actually, I think for four years in a row, the 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 uh, state winner for Tennessee walking horse uh, was in Spring Hill, Tennessee, the town that I grew up in on a farm right off of 65 South. Um, what a beautiful horse. Shout out to Camp Marymount and my friend Anna for letting me uh, ride Rooster, uh, the local Tennessee stud there. Uh, he's a Tennessee walking horse. And my God, they're just... There's something that is so fantastic about riding a horse in 2020, and it's not in some weird little Nas X way. It's just fun to ride a horse. Gives me solitude. Anyway, y'all, stay positive, stay patient, and stay persistent. My next guest today is Mr. Joshua Lee Turner. I first discovered Joshua around seven or eight years ago, right when I graduated high school. So this would have been seven years ago. And um, he uploaded a video of him of himself covering and playing, singing a Dire Straits song, uh, Salt to Swing. And that video has gotten millions upon millions of views, uh, as have other videos of his. But he, since in that time, has developed and grown to a whole new tier of sophistication and individuality that is of such a high taste uh, I had to hit him up and I had to see what was going on in his mind. 
because uh, he, he has molted his shell several times over, and it's really impressive, and it's really inspiring to see. Uh, 526,000 followers on YouTube, absolutely gigantic. He had nothing close to that when I first started following him. And uh, he posts three videos a month, which actually is quite a lot if you're doing everything on your own, uh, especially as well as he does it. And he just put out an album recently that he fully self-produced, made the whole thing. But check this out. He also has a live video album experience that's, a, that's available on YouTube uh, for viewing as well. So it's the it's whole album in a continuous format that has video to accompany it. It's astounding and it's efficient and it's modern and it's a great way to communicate with your fan base. Uh, it was a privilege having my friend on here, Mr. Joshua Lee Turner. Hope you all enjoy it. I'm such a big fan of yours. Um, I've been a follower of you, I have to say, probably since 2013, the year a year I graduated high school. I, st- I found oh, out, nice. so it must have been seven years ago. And you've yeah. just been out at it in a um, very consistent and persistent way. Um, what's been your experience like? Uh, like, how would you surmise this whole journey that you've done with with creating content in? And um, discovering yourself as an artist, going through various groups and different stages of, of singing, performing, some instructional content, et cetera. Well, um, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I often tell people that I kind of backed into a career in music. Um, oh, really? Yeah. For, I mean, it was, I was definitely not a person who, you know, there's like home videos of me at four years old being like, I'm going to be a star. Like I was never, I was never that kind of person, you know? Um I wanted to be a car designer actually for most of my young life. Um, and then had a, uh, my, my mom sent me to a, a camp uh, outside of Detroit where it was just like an, in- like basically a pre, like a pre-college intensive car design camp. Okay. And I, and I found out that I hated it <laughs> and I wasn't very good at it. Um, and so, yeah, so I went to college um, with music as a minor and um you know, throughout all of this time, I'd been making YouTube videos just, you know, completely <clears throat> for fun and as a way of socializing with other musicians. Right. And, um, and throughout the course of college, uh, I just kind of kept finding more and more ways to become involved in things, um, you know, singing in the acapella group, but also like playing in a folk band outside of classes and stuff like that. Um, and then I wound up flipping my major to music. And so when I graduated, it was like, well, uh, I have basically no marketable skills except for, you know, a YouTube channel and some chops, you know, or whatever. And so I guess this is what it's going to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. So there really is that kind of like, which is very Western. There is that kind of like plunging into this, this chasm of, of with the Swiss army knife that you have been given one that you have discovered, one that has chosen you and one that you've refined through your own mm-hmm. accord and the hours that you put into it. And the thing that I've noticed that is very fascinating with, with the kind of content that you put out is that you do an exceptionally good job at blurring the lines between, I think what people can interpret you as. And that's a very modern and competitive way to put yourself out into the world. And I'm assuming mm. that I don't know if that's as much of a conscientious thing as it, as it might come off as a cross, but um, Nick Drake instructional videos, like to a T, mm. very well done. Billie Eilish cover videos. But then there's also Paul Simon, right? And then there's also original music. And there's, um, mm. there's the Patreon. And so there's all these different angles in which you're expressing yourself. And, and so the thing that I'm wondering is how much of that is a conscious decision on... When, when when Josh Turner puts out a video into the world, how much are you trying to, 
is it, it's like a blanket that's too thin. You're trying to pull it from one side of the bed to the next kind of a thing, or are you just doing what inspires you? Um, you know, I think there are aspects of both at different times, you know, for definitely as I was getting started and as I was mm, discovering sort of what my channel was, was going to be, mm. I, I was definitely motivated more so from a place of just like, you know, following whatever was the most interesting thing. And, and it was just like, oh, well, I'm like learning some, some, you know, three finger banjo, but I'm also like working on like some classical guitar and like this and that. And so I would just post kind of whatever I was working on. At that time, I mean, I think that often in our formative, you know, musical years, there's, there's a lot of sort of, you know, omnivorousness of influence, and that was just what I was expressing on the on the channel. And uh, and nowadays, you know, I once I once I had this body of work behind me, and and it started to become apparent that this is what I was going to need to make a career off of. Then it became more deliberate because it was like, well, what you know what is my niche basically if, if I have one and, and it's like, what, what, what have I, basically I just started to be more deliberate about the type of content that I posted, but the challenge there was to be deliberate without, you know, pigeonholing myself in any way. So what I had to do was, was keep trying to um, provide as much variety as I, as I, as I was able to, and, but still do it at a, you know, high level of quality and, and try and, you know, raise the bar a little bit, you know, as, as things went along. Um, and I do think that that is probably, you know, I, I enjoy doing it. It definitely is stressful sometimes. And it definitely is a little bit like, you know, pulling the blanket from time to time. But it's, but it's, it's, I feel like that is my niche now on the internet, you know, and I, I didn't set out to create it that way. But, but now it's like, there, there aren't, there aren't too many people that are doing that kind of breadth of things. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. Whoa. So how much of it is, is planned? Cause the thing for me is <clears throat> you're obviously an ambitious person. You're a talented person and you're a, a high level of intelligence uh, you possess. So that oftentimes can be quite a tricky hand to, to handle, um, especially with uh, delineating importance of goals and mm. timelines and making sure that mm. things come out on on a regular basis. And the fact that you're obtaining so much quality, like nobody actually perplexes me except you. Um, it perplexes me. So I am just assuming that every day you're spending hours a day, either planning, editing, practicing, um, or actually creating. So I, I really would just love to hear about like, what does a month look like for you? What does a week look like for you? What does a day look like for you? And you're in New York, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm in, okay. I'm in, uh, I'm in Brooklyn. Been here okay, for when we, okay, so we had a sold out show at the Knitting Factory at April 30th, in that, on April 30th, that obviously, which never happened. Uh, so when we come I had Brooklyn, a, uh, yeah. I had a show at the Knitting Factory um, on April 13th, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know if it had quite sold out yet, but uh, but we would have we would have been yeah a, a stone's throw from each other in terms of time there. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of one of the many shows that's that's fallen by the way. Do you have an but, agent? Um, are you are you still independent on that front? I do. Yeah, I have a, I have a booking agent. Um, Who are you a, with? Uh, just a, it's a real small operation. It's basically one dude out of the Twin Cities. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, who operates under the, the business name Last Triumph. And he pretty much just represents me and awesome. Carson and then uh, Raina Del Cid uh, and Tony Lindgren, who are also YouTube, you know, folk duo type thing. But mm. um, I mean, in terms of time management, um, you know, I definitely am working on something every every day. You know, it, it's definitely become, 
when I first moved to New York and it was like, all right, this is the place where I'm going to like get serious and like figure out how to be a freelancer, you know? Like, right. And obviously like I was working part-time, you know, um, for a couple of years when I first got here. What were you doing? Uh, I worked at a liquor store. Um, yeah, it was just a New York a liquor store, man, that is a, that is a real place. You have some life experience working at a place like that. Yeah, I most I mostly worked at like like the bougier like fine wines kind of places, but you know you still definitely got all sorts all sorts of people in there. There's definitely still some theft and stuff like that. But um, but anyway, uh, I it's it, I'm 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 pretty scatterbrained in terms of in terms of how I spend my time and what I'm working on and things like that. Um, but my uh, my my girlfriend slash partner Kelly uh, is has come on as like my business end of things uh, recently as well and she is super organized and she used to work at um, at uh, ICM ICM partners which is, you know huge agency she was a literary assistant to a top literary agent there so lots of very applicable skills in terms of sort of keeping ducks in a row and um, keeping that you know, sort of like project management and things yeah like that. which is um, a real thing it is, you know, cause, yeah, I, I definitely have more ideas than time. Um, yeah. But having somebody, having somebody who's like quietly like writing down ideas and saying like, yep. well, maybe you should, you know, <laughs> start working on this has been has been really critical in, in <laughs> allowing me to like sort of keep the output up over the past couple of months. You know, I I've been doing about three videos a month for for some time now, and that feels like a sweet spot to me in terms of um, in terms of keeping people engaged and, and staying sort of at the top of searches and whatever, but also like giving myself enough time to provide something that's actually, you know, that I could look back on in, in 10 years and say, you know, I, I, I did the best I could basically, <laughs> you know, cause I, I, um, I know some people who, who post once a month or once a week on YouTube. And that to me is just not, that's not doable. Um, in terms of, in terms Why do you of say that? It, I don't know. There's something about the freedom of saying, I, ha- I just have to fit three videos within this month and it doesn't really matter when they fall. I try and space them out, you know, relatively evenly, but- A video but every 10 week, days. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess. But like, there, there's something about the regimen of that to me that is, it's, it, it, that would not aid my productivity. I think if I had a deadline in that sense, breathing down my neck, you know, it- it was something which like in school I was never great about, you know, I would always I would procrastinate, you know, and, and you wait yeah. until the night before to like yep. write the paper or whatever. Right. I was, I was very much that person from time to time in college. And so <clears throat> not, not, not giving myself that constraint and not saying like, oh, well, I know this needs to be done by tomorrow morning. So I'm going to start the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it sets me up to be able to start something more when I'm inspired by it, you know, and then just be like, okay, well now that I've started it, I, sh- I better see it through. Um, so it's just more of a healthy dynamic, that spacing for me. Um, but, but yeah, always working on something every day for sure. Whoa. So the, the thing that's the, that's the kind of the era that we live in now where it's like, um, this, uh, frequency and and the fatigue that is innately wired into anybody's fan base, which the percentage Mm -hmm. of that is unique to each person's fan base. Um, what's fantastic about you is that you're able to put out a video, what seems to add up to one every 10 days, right? Three videos a month. About that, yeah. And so, but you're probably not even that quantitative about it. You're probably not even thinking about it in that, in those parameters. And that's really cool to me. The thing that I'm always flustered with is like, I always feel like this kind of, um, uh, almost behindness. Um, mm. do you struggle? Does that happen with you at all? Or do you find that that three videos a month actually allows you to live peacefully in the realm of inspiration while also having to, uh, you know, participate in creating content? It, it mostly allows me to, to live peacefully. I, th- I think that's a good way to put it. You know, I mean, yeah. um, 
and and at times like you know obviously like during COVID and stuff, I've also been taking on some some like freelance work outside of the outside of the channel, just like some freelance mixing and video production stuff, just for to you know to, for my own enjoyment and learning and and to keep you know for just another revenue stream basically. But and occasionally in those moments, it it's like I'll wake up in the morning and be like, whoa, I've got a lot that I need to, to get done today. Um, okay, but what does that look like for you? Like a day where there's like whoa. There's a lot. There's a lot today. Well, um, so like, okay, so like yesterday, um, you know, I, let me think. Um, I had a call with um, an arranger that I'm working with on this album that I'm producing. And then the artist was coming over later in the afternoon to um, to do some tracking. Um, he's also a good friend of mine. And so like, you know, I wanted to make time for like a social component to that. But obviously it's like sort of switching gears mentally. Um, and you know, and then like, I'm trying to get, um, some merch out that I've been sitting on top of, you know, it's just like lots of, lots of like little things, you know, like that I need to like, like go to the UPS store, but I'm like schlepping like a ton of stuff. And, yep. um, and then like, I, great New York uh, word. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and like, and I, you know, and I, uh, I had this, the Billie Eilish cover that was coming out today. And so I need to make sure that all my, like all the ducks are in a row in terms of like, getting it monetized through um, the YouTube partner network that I use and that they have all the information that they oh, need so that it can all go live, you know, on various social media at the same time. Uh, and, oh, and then I need to be oh, coordinating with right like, now. a collaborator uh, who here. I haven't talked to in a long time about trying to... Um, so everything that you said past monetization cut out. Oh, okay, yeah. I just, uh, I just got a, your internet connection is unstable notification there, which hopefully it won't be for long. Um, mm-hmm. Just stop me, stop me if it happens again. But you've also, sure. you've also got the, the full... Uh, I'll send you the full recording here afterwards, but I was saying, you know, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's things like that. And like, and I need to coordinate with another artist who I'll be working on for a video later this month and start conceiving of how I want to arrange that and where I want to shoot it and things. Um, so, I mean, and that works really well for me. I, I'm, I'm definitely the type of person who works more happily when I can focus on one thing really intensely for 20 minutes and stop and focus on something completely else for, you know, an hour and then focus on something completely different for an hour after that. I just I don't have the the stamina to be able to be like I'm going to sit down all day and crank out this thing um, because mm. I, I, lo- I I lose interest and I would rather just spread it out in in lots of little chunks. So you know that's sort of a little microcosm of the way my channel is actually in the way that I've approached learning music. You know that like I'm uh, I'll, I'll work on a little chunk of this style and of this instrument or you know, a little chunk of teaching here and then a chunk of performing there. Um, because if I was to, I could never sit down and be like, all right, I'm going to do like a 15 part lesson series on like, on, on finger style. I could never do that. It's, it's um, so because, hard to stay on that same train. Yeah. 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 I, I don't have that sort of long-term vision where I could accomplish it. Cause I would be, you know, bored with it by episode two, basically. Um, but so, you know, just spreading things out and, and keeping the variety and, and, and basically leaning into the fact that, that that is what I'm good at, um, is, is what I've been trying to do. Yeah. So how much like <clears throat> from mind to YouTube, um, your most recent video, the Billie Eilish cover, which mm-hmm. is in the same, there's a very vertical quality. Um, there's a ver- there's a verticality of quality informal sentiment, acoustic timbre, and just enough of a modern competitive edge sonically Mm -hmm. that runs across your videos. Mm -hmm. And so from mind to YouTube, how, what is, how much is the cost time-wise to create the, the latest piece of content that you just put out? 
Um, well, I think it varies widely. Oh, does it? Okay. Across across videos, yeah. I mean, and, and oftentimes, and I'll speak to the, the specific video in a moment, but I mean, um, oftentimes what I have going on is like, I'll, I'll think of in the span of a month, like, usually I try and balance it between like a video that is kind of a layup, you know, that where like the, the, what I think is the effort to probable popularity ratio, you know, is skewed a particular way. Effort you know? to probable popularity. Effort to probable popularity ratio. Yeah. So yeah. is it worth my time to put my, that much work into it? No, not quite. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, um, this is something which I think will be very popular and won't require all that much effort. Um, because, oh, wow. because on the other side of things, you know, the other, the other approach that I take to video making is this is going to be very high effort. And I know that the popularity is going to be fairly low. <laughs> um, Why do you and, know? Um, well, it, it's usually um, just a, a special interest topic or a band that's not as well known. I mean, okay, so so actually a perfect example, a perfect example of the two sides of this ratio are the Billie Eilish video and then the previous video that I put out, um, the cover of the song It's You by The Millennium. So, you know, the Billie Eilish video, I definitely, uh, I put, I would say, mm, a, you know, one to two full work days of preparation into that. You know, I have to come up with the arrangement. I have to, uh, which includes like figuring out a tuning, deciding what guitar I want to do it on, you know, getting used to playing with the felt under the strings that I, or the, uh, the foam under the strings that I did for that, you know. Yeah. Very Blake Mel sounding. Yeah. Yeah. Deciding, you know, uh, how I want to engineer it beforehand, how I want it to be shot, you know, what time of day it needs to be shot at, which, which affects when, you know, the recording will be done. And then creating the backing beat, you know, printing that onto the tape machine and getting it all set up so that everything can just like go like that when it's, you know, when the light is how I want it and so forth. Um, the, when the light's you know, how you want it, do you pick up on production cues from other videos or are you researching other videos to find inspiration or is it just more of an internal barometer? Um, it's, it is, I think, a combination of the, of the two. Right. I don't necessarily have like a particular person or... Uh, channel that I'm like that is the aesthetic that I'm going for, but I do think that I that I triangulate my own style based off of you know things that I either like or dislike on other high production value channels. I mean, and and I definitely am trying to compare myself to channels that are higher production value than what I'm doing, you know, so that I can of course get closer to whatever that is. But um, you know, so yeah, so so the Billie Eilish, I mean, I would say two to three days from from the moment that I'm like, I should cover this song to the moment that I'm sitting down to start recording. Wow. Um, and, and, and what I want it to be is usually, well, and, and, and I should say two to three days total, right? So because as I was mentioning, oftentimes the, the thinking about it is spread out in a one hour chunk one day and then a 30 minute chunk the next day. And then I'm lying in bed and mulling over things the next day. And that may happen over the course of a week or two weeks. But in total, you know, in total, I would say I'm putting about two, two to three workdays into it. Um, because I, I actually find that when you can sleep on something, you know, it, when it can like simmer a little bit, it's going to it's going to come out more polished anyway. You know, um, it's more effective than trying to just crank it out in three in three straight days for me. So, you know, and I want to get it to a place where when I sit down to record pretty much every duck is in a row, you know, yeah. where like I'm, I'm, I'm fully rehearsed. You know, I know like I know how it's going to sound, et cetera. Right, and then I can knock it out in you know three four takes or something like that. It was take four on the on the Billie Eilish tune. Um, wow, but, that's crazy. So the actual capturing of the content is less than an hour's time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but then by contrast, so you know that's one of the that's that's a 
in this day, this these days for me, a relatively low effort, relatively high estimated popularity video. Um, but then my, the previous, the reason that I chose to do that at this time was that the previous video that I did, um, which was a cover of a you know psych rock tune by a band that basically nobody's ever heard of, was very high effort, and that one that one took a, many more hours of conception and execution. So like all the visual effects in that video were done. We did with actual uh, liquid light. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we had to, you know, get a projector and like figure out how to do that. We had basically do rehearsals of just the visual aspect of it, you know, which is unusual for me. And then we had to do a proof of concept for this like rotating camera thing, you know, um, and all of that is happening before we even, you know, or at least separate from, you know, figuring it, like listening to the recording, like, dozens of times to pick apart what each individual component is that I'm going to try and reproduce, not just from a like note standpoint, but from a, an engineering standpoint and a vibe standpoint, um, and then try and figure out a way to, you know, marry these ambitious um, visual ideas with this sort of like core tenant that I have of my channel, which is always um, having what you see be me actually performing live. Um, and so... So yeah, that one, I mean, that probably took more like two weeks um, wow. to, to put to put that together, you know, and then the the actual editing. And I went through several rounds of mixes and I'm e- emailing back and forth with a friend of mine who's like kind of an expert on like 60s engineering techniques and stuff, you know, to like make sure that the, the symbols are like DS'd in the way that they're supposed to be and things like that. And, you know, so, um, so yeah, so, and, and oftentimes I'll be conceiving of those two videos concurrently and I know that they're going to represent like, like this is going to be what most of my month is, and this is the rough amount of time that I estimate spending on it. But I'll be thinking of them. I'll be figuring them out simultaneously, you know, just like chunk by chunk, you know. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, that's quite intensive. And so it sounds like there's a lot of um, the ideas come to you. Like, how do ideas come to you? Are you just walking? Um, are you are you just is it just like a stroll through New York City with your AirPods in, and then like an idea hits you, or are you sitting down and and intentionally? Uh, brain mapping out concepts that you think would work. Are you listening to fans? Are you asking fans like, "Hey, what do you guys want me to play?" And, and and so, what's your approach in terms of like? I'm sure you have many ideas that you don't execute. And so, mm-hmm. how do ideas come to you? And what's your approach for hashing them out? Um, usually, I'm I'm pretty. Um, I try not to put too much thought into like what should I play. I definitely I I try to be guided by, especially when it's cover material. Um, I try to be guided by like the the process is just trying to expose myself to new music. What's that process you know? for you like? Um, I mean, it's it's largely through you know algorithmic suggestion at this point. Spotify um, or Apple, or, or are you like a title guy? <laughs> I, I I was I was a former Apple guy, and I really wanted Apple Music to be my to be my thing because you know, like so many people, I manually burned in hundreds of legally purchased CDs oh, yeah. and had had this meticulously maintained iTunes library. And uh, and I was really hoping that I could use a streaming service that would dovetail with that. But I'm, I'm actually a lifelong Windows user and, uh, and Apple Music has lots of compatibility oh, yeah. issues with Windows. And so I was just like, I had to like jump ship. So I've still got a huge music library, but I mostly use Spotify at this point just because it is so much more um, streamlined. But um, so yeah, so I mean like that sort of thing. Um, and Kelly, uh, my my partner, is also really good at, at finding new music, um, and she often will suggest things to me, at least to just check them out, you know, if not necessarily to cover, um, you know, it, 
earlier on, it was also something that I imagine you experienced where just like, hey, let me share with you music off of my iPod or whatever, or like, you know, mix CDs and things like that. Like that was, that was a big part of it. And, um, you know, so, or, or it's like, I, I try and make time for like curiosity a little bit in that, in that way, you know, or it's like, if I'm going down a YouTube rabbit hole of like music to override my usual feeling of like, yo, YouTube is like, is like hacking my brain and I need to get off. Like, mm-hmm. because sometimes it's actually important to, to like, to, to like, to like follow your curiosity or at least follow the algorithms, you know, understanding of your curiosity. And, and cause it may lead to something which you're like, whoa, you know, this is really interesting. And so what I usually do is, um, whenever I find that thing, you know, be it from a genre that I've covered before or haven't right. covered before, um, I just kind of try and I just make a note of it and it kind of goes onto like a backplate of like songs that I'm just like, oh, this is a song that really grabbed me for one reason or another. That's, that's really, that's the first step is just like, this is a song that I really resonated with. It really captured my imagination. And um, mm. I try not to start imposing my own ideas onto it right away um, because a big part of what I try and do is listen to a song enough times if I'm going to cover it that I can understand what it is about it that makes that makes it so exciting to me. Yes. Um, because that I think more than anything is what I really try and convey um, on my on my channel and in my covers. And you know, and 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 yeah, I guess if I was if I were to toot my own horn, I would say that I think what sets my covers apart is that I is that I do spend a lot of time figuring out what makes what makes a song emotionally impactful or what makes it exciting for me to listen to. And I really try and translate whatever that thing is into my own version, even if it's not a specific note move or a specific vocal technique or whatever, you know, it may be something more, more ephemeral. Like there's a, you know, it's like the, the way that they are like use rubato in this section or whatever. That's like, that just like really gets me or like whatever, or like this particular hi-hat here, you know, or something like that. So, um, I try, I try and give myself a lot of time to let those things sink in. And then, you know, and then if I'm, if it's not obvious to me as to what song I should cover next, because I'm not just like, oh man, I'm loving this and I'm feeling ready to cover it. Then I will turn to this sort of, this sort of ongoing list of like things that are on the boilerplate. And it's like, okay, um, I'm going to sit now, now I'm going to begin the deliberate process of sitting down with this song and trying to, you know, interface with it basically in, in the sense of like figuring out how I can, how I can filter it through myself to make it something which is, you know, equal parts, you know, original and compelling, but also retains whatever that thing is that I've been trying to absorb over the period of time that I've been listening to it. Um, so that's, that's a long and nebulous way of describing the process, but that's, that's kind of it. Oh, and there's no better platform for it, man, because it, it truly is the thing. I mean, that's the whole point of podcasting is such a relief for people like that have like this, um, uh, myself included in in a large population of this this on this relentless curiosity in the belief that the minute details often reveal the most macro affect of, of what we take in, and it's yeah. like so you 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 said you allow yourself to take a lot of time to find out what inspires you. Is that mm-hmm. just a matter of you learning a song, sitting down with that song, and, and you you just play it? You're listening back to it, and just you spending time with art, and you're not being you're not being quantitatively driven by uh, I need to get it out by this day. I need to capture it with this lens, and I'm going to use this compressor on um, on the vocal on the vocal chain, kind of a thing. You're just li- well, living with the song. 
I think I think a, a switch flips at a certain point, you know, where I go from being totally qualitative about what I like about the song, and then once it kind of gets moved onto that forward burner, as it were, of like, right. okay, I think it's time to work on this. Then I start thinking about it from like, all right, I'm going to figure out what tuning I want to play this in. I'm going to figure out what instrument is best for it, what configuration, you know, details, details. But um, mm. but that initial period, that initial period of time. Um, can vary widely in length. You know, sometimes I'll, sometimes, I mean, there've been instances where I have covered a song on the channel that I've been stewing on for years, you know? Like what? Some, um, so, okay. So like, um, I did a classical guitar duet a couple of years ago, ago called um, Souvenir of Puerto Rico. Um, with Beautiful amazing guitar- Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. An, an amazing guitarist named Phil Goldenberg who uh, lives here in New York. Um, and that was a tune that I, I discovered that tune in my I think it was my junior year of college uh, music theory class. And like, it was, it was an example from like the Norton anthology of music or something like that. And I was like, wow, that is really great. And then like, uh, you know, a year after that, I was like, the song was still pinging around in my head. I was still, it was still like coming to me and I still wanted to be listening to it. And then it was like, you know what? I wonder if I could do this with two guitars. Um, (sighs) And then it just sort of subsided for a really long time. And then it just sort of made its way back to the surface like three years later Mm. um, when, you know, it was like, oh, I have access to another guitarist now that I could play this with live. So I don't have to try and, you know, because a big part of it, oftentimes like, oftentimes what happens and if there's a long delay between, you know, me originally clicking with a song and deciding that I want to cover it, is there some central roadblock to me being able to do it in a way that I want at that time for one reason or another, you know, be it, be it like, Oh, the song's in French and I don't feel comfortable trying to sing in French yet. Or, or, you know, I, in this case, it was actually, I don't want to do it to a click and I don't want to try and design some kind of crazy click track for it. I want to play it with another person, but I didn't, you know, but then I didn't have access to another person to play it with. Um, and well, I actually, for some of that time, did have access to a person to play it with, but then it was in this moment that I was like, oh my God, like, it's that person. Like, all right, fine. Now I'm going to sit down and and do this arrangement. And it was a funny story in that in that case because I, I wound up pretty much doing the arrangement by ear. I never I never transcribed it. And so I- It's a great um, way to learn music, man. It, re- it truly is, learning things by ear. I, I would, I, I double checked a couple of the voicings off of like <clears> the original <throat> score and stuff like that, but I sent this guy his part as a recording. Um, I just said like, here's what you're, you know, here's what you're going to play. And he being like a, like dyed in the wool classical player, um, (laughs) went and transcribed the recording that I had sent him. And then when we got together was, uh, and then memorized it off of his transcription of my recording, um, which like, you know, just speaks to different learning styles. Um, but, Mm. but yeah, so that, that was, that was an example of one where like, it really, um, it was just, it was just, you know, bubbling in the, um, in the primordial swamp of ideas for, you know, a good three years before it wound up uh, finally making it to the channel. The truth of inspiration has no shelf life. The, yeah. Yep, and, and that's it's, pretty much it. And it's a really fantastic, and it's an interesting energy to come in constant contact with and also to be asking of it something in return, which is the mm-hmm. fact that you're going to, you, you know, collaborate with the inspirational force of whatever piece of music may it be. Um, or if it's an aesthetic thing, like you mentioned that you love car design, uh, you want to be a car engineer at, at a certain point in your life. And it's like um, mm-hmm. Virgil Abloh just yesterday announcing that, that first G-Wagon um, model that he's working on with Mercedes. And it's just like, how, like what a, a fantastic manifestation on on literally how, 
we take our talent, combine effort with it to create a skill. Mm-hmm. And then skill meets inspiration. And through effort, gluing those together, we create opportunity, which often yeah. manifests in videos or products or, or in your case, you know, a slew of, of um, slices of who you are personality-wise and artistically mm-hmm. speaking. Um, very fascinated by what's going on and what was, and I'm assuming still is an ongoing campaign for public life. Um, mm-hmm. Really cool concept, my friend. Very like competitively thought and executed. I'm not sure if like, and those might not be the adjectives that, that, that you prefer, but it's truly a very modern way to release and communicate with a fan base, right? Um, what's, what's, what's the deal going on with that? Is that something that's more, um, something that you're holding closer to your heart than, than, than covers? It doesn't seem like that way to me. It seems like you hold everything you do with a great severity and you're very focused on one thing at a time, which is kind of like this Ram Dass presentness. Um, but all the video content that went with it and, and how it tells a story and then also the quality of the music and the videos, like that just seems like an immense amount of work. Yeah, so so Public Life, um, I, well, I guess I should first say that writing in general is definitely a different experience for me than, than working with cover music um, because... Well, in a lot of ways, they're 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 different processes. I mean, namely, I think because because I've spent so much time digesting the music that I love, and and because I have so many clear influences, um, or central challenge for me in songwriting is trying to find that extra ten percent of something that isn't immediately pinpointable to to one of the influences that I've digested. Mm. Um, and that does require more conscious effort on my part. You know, there's less of a subconscious discovery phase in writing for me because I can immediately sit down and play something that sounds like James Taylor. And so the question, you know, it, so it takes, it takes much more deliberate effort to sit down and, you know, at least start with a James Taylor tune, but then, it, but then incorporate enough other influences in it that, I, that it starts to become this, you know, a, yes. new, a, new, a new thing, a less identifiable thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I, I had written, um, an, I, I wrote an album that came out uh, in 2019 and I was like, you know what, like I, I enjoyed this. I, like, I feel like I've got good momentum. I found it a gratifying experience kind of writing for the first time actually in a serious way. And um, and I want to, I want to do another album that I think, you know, is going to be a little more sort of tightly honed. And so I wrote the album, um, on tour last year. Um, and even up in, up until February of this year, I was, I was on tour right up until the last minute and, um, when, and was finishing it up and it had been my plan, you know, starting late last year, I started to think, okay, like th- this is starting to coalesce towards an album. I would like to, I would like to have an album. I'd like to be working on an album at this time next year. Um, like it just sort of, it like, it makes sense in terms of like my release schedule of original music and so forth. Um, and so, uh, I had written all these songs that were about being on the road and, uh, in, in, in a hilariously ironic turn of fate, one of the central themes of this album was like sort of a newfound gratitude for, for being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and the original, the original title of the album was going to be at home actually. Um, so simple. and, and, it was under that under that title that we had con- that uh, that Kelly and I conceived of this idea of filming the whole thing. I knew I wanted to film the whole thing because I I knew that I was leaving I was leaving and en- I was leaving fan engagement on the table by not really marrying 
my channel with like my Spotify self um, on my previous album, right? Like I, I basically was like, all right, I'm a conventional songwriter artist now who puts things out on Spotify, who also has a YouTube channel where you can watch a version of the song where it's just the album cover. You and know what why I mean? do that? Uh, right. Right. Exactly. You know, so I, I well, the, the reason that I did it actually was because I wanted to be completely focused on the music making. And, and I recorded a lot of the, the first album, you know, live with a rhythm section and stuff. And I didn't want to be encumbered by having to be, you know, filming and stuff at the same time. I wanted to just like let all the quality go towards the recording. But this time around, I was like, okay, it's really incumbent upon me to bring these two worlds together. And so I knew that, that I wanted to film it. And we thought, oh, well, if this is a, if this is an album about gratitude for being at home, we should just film it around the apartment, you know, like, and we should try and, um, it, cause it's also about, um, the weird experience of, selling access to your personal life, which is really what being a social media person is, you know, uh, or at least selling, uh, selling access to a version of yourself that you're sort of curating, you know? Right. And, um, and so it's like, well, you know, it's like we can sort of lean into this bizarre voyeurism, you know, that I've already kind of got going on here and, um, and just make it as open and personal as possible. And so let's incorporate, just like me being at home uh, and and doing at home things into the filming of of this album, which is going to be called at home. Um, and we were going to squeeze it in, in this two week span um, that I had set aside to record it in between, in between tours. And it was halfway through recording um, that everything, that everything shut down and that all the, all the tours got postponed. Um, and, so literally like in the middle of the tracking, the total direction of the album started to shift. And, you know, we realized that we couldn't call it at home anymore because like everyone is at home like all the time now, you know, and it's a little on the nose to be, you know, putting out a record called that, you know, it's like, I'm not going to call it quarantine blues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we, we decided to call it, um, we decided to call it public life, just name it after a different one of the tracks and, and just emphasize, you know, the the sort of weird reality of uh, of the world having a window into your um, into your private life and your private life you know basically being your public life to to a large extent um, and what was supposed to be two weeks to track it and one or one or two weeks that I was going to mix it and mm-hmm. you know whatever uh, it wound up becoming just like a three month long Whoa. project yeah um, so. You know, most of the tracking was still done in the in the in the span of time that I had given myself initially, um, but in terms of production and mixing, and in particular the video editing, um, we wound up spending much much longer. I think I I got the master, um, I got the, like I, I got the um, the masters back from the mastering engineer on like like the end of April. So the, the audio portion, I spent a good month on it longer than I anticipated. And the video, we spent much, much longer on it than we had anticipated. Um, Cause it's just so much content. I mean, like, you know, it's a 37 minute long video or something like that, you know, with, you know, it was something like 120 gigabytes worth of footage that we shot for it, you know. And, I'm surprised uh, and, it was more. That's insane. Well, we, we, were, we were shooting in 1080, uh, which, which is oh, helpful, yeah. you know. Yep. Yeah, I don't, absolutely. I don't mess with 4K, but for that very reason. But um you know, so yeah, so it was uh, it was a big undertaking, but it wound up be in a in a funny way being exactly what I needed during that period of time because sure. it became, 
it became basically the reason that I was waking up in the morning is because it was like, well, got to get the next piece of the get the next piece of the thing out, you know. So, mm. um, so so as we were as we were wrapping it up, um, we were like, you know, what if um, what if we just what if we just basically release this in like a serialized kind of way, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, we just we we kind of decided to run with that idea and um, and. I felt like it was also a good thing for audiences to have something to kind of look forward to, you know, during, during those couple of months where things were at their, their most restrictive, I think, oh um, my especially, gosh. especially here in New York. And, um, so that's pretty much how that came to pass. You know, I mean, I think the meaning of the album for me shifted halfway through, even though none of the text really changed. And, and now like, reading like some blog blog reviews and things like that. It's really interesting for me to watch, to watch people digest it from the second, the second version of, of what the album kind of means, you know, that people can only sure. ever hear it now as like my experience in quarantine and sure. like how I'm at, at home all the time and whatever. Um, but when it was conceived and even for the first half of when I was recording it, it was the opposite of that. You know, it was, I'm on the road all the time and I have just enough time here to squeeze in a record about how much I appreciate getting to be at home. Um, and so, so yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, that's just, that's, that's how that, that came to pass. And, uh, so yeah, I'm still, still sort of promoting it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm bad about continuing to promote things that I've already released because I, it's definitely my MO to just be like, all right, what's next? Let's um, go, let's go, let's go. I feel like yeah. that's such, you know, a consumer centric approach to the kind of fan base that you've curated. Um, mm-hmm. Something that people don't talk about enough now when everyone's trash talking the, um, very informal way to say it, but the the um, the ever evolving state of of releasing marketing and and bringing value through music to a fan base, which is you know largely uh-huh. through the streaming medium now, and therefore the frequency of release has to be much higher. And right. you see a lot of artists being like, I don't I don't quite want to do a record more than once a year. I don't quite want to do a record more than once every two years. If I am, uh-huh. we'll do a live album, right? And it's mm-hmm. like for jam band fans like me, I love live albums, but like. I think your fan base doesn't care. Like, it's like, do you almost think in some way, like you putting as much effort as you do into the um, the aforementioned video that had a low popularity probability, but had all the visual cues. Like mm-hmm. a, a top tier fan of yours is going to appreciate that probably to the same degree that they're going to appreciate your original release. Mm-hmm. Right, so- it, it's, it's totally for my own gratification, I think is the answer to that question. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's totally for, Mm -hmm. uh, the, just the pleasure of, of getting to, I just love like planning things. Um, and you know, sometimes, sometimes I get bored in the execution because like the, so much of the pleasure for me is in the planning and like the learning and the preparation. So Um, you're actively looking at yourself as a learner, as someone who is a student of whatever you're focused on, whether that's yeah. manifesting in production, visual production, um, or the actual learning of the material. Absolutely, yeah. And so you're documenting um, your your experience as a student. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair to say. You know, I'm I'm definitely not like the, my desire to be all over the place. It definitely, I think, takes a toll on individual aspects of things from time to time. Like, I'm not, I'm actually not a super like chopsy player you no. know like my my, my, right. my right hand i think is much more competent than my left i i can't i like despite the best efforts of my classical guitar teacher can't read hardly at all for guitar you know mm-hmm. and um 
So there are things that definitely fall by the wayside when you're trying to be a student of a lot of things at once. Um, but, but no, I mean, that is, that is the gratification that I, that, that, that I find in, in making what I do, you know, is definitely just like, it's just, I'm, I'm, I try, I try to be guided by curiosity because I think that, um, that will always produce more compelling things for people to watch. Ooh, man, that's so pungent. I love that. That is absolutely so real. Oh my gosh. Do you think a lot about, um, about platform equity in the sense of with how many uh, doors there are now, how many points of entry we have into the many varying manifestations of what a fan base can be, i.e. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Mm -hmm. uh, YouTube, Patreon, uh, Spotify, right? How much of those are 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 you focusing on? Are you are are you just kind of saying nah, like like fuck some of these? Like I don't actually need to do these uh, because I'm, I have- I'm definitely saying I'm definitely saying fuck some of these. Like um, I've ne- I've never engaged with Twitter um, because I feel like if what I want to do is express myself musically, you know, then like there's nothing to be gained for me from from Twitter. You know, it's like because I know myself. Like I'm very opinionated. You know, um, I have so you're disagreeable. Yeah. Yeah. I'll disagree with somebody, you know, like, uh, and, and occasionally like, and I have to really restrain myself with like, when I get comments from like, not, not people who are put, you know, putting respectful, you know, or just like just any sort of, I'm not, I'm not like, Oh, you read the comments. I, I bet you do. I, 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 would. I do. I do read the, I do read the comments, you know, I you read the comments because to, uh, good positive comments as well for fan engagement and, and just to be a real person. I mean, for God's I sake. respond. Um, I respond to. I always respond to questions, um, especially technical questions or questions of like motivation or things like that. Um, okay. Because you know, because I, I am a nerd about gear, you know, and I yeah. and I want to help people who are trying to wade through the enormous amount of information out there about <sighs> things and say, hey, well, at least this has worked for me. Yeah. You know. Um. So, you know, yeah, and I, uh, and and occasionally in, in rare instances, I'll specifically you know, thank people who have very gracious things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but I, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm oftentimes just curious to see how people respond Yeah. to, to especially, especially the things that are high effort and, and that I don't expect people to like, because it does, it does provide me some motivation. You know, it is a, a part of my motivation knowing, and this is actually to me, the internet at its most I, like idyllic and pure is in the moments where, I post something that I spent, I uh, busted my ass to make, you know, like the Nick Drake video or whatever. <sighs> I, I don't necessarily expect there to be a lot of people interested, but the people who do respond are like, they're like, they're over the moon about it. They're you top know? tier, it's like, right. Right, because it's like this, you know, it's like, it's like, this is why I love the internet. You know, it's because I get to talk to these people, m- many of whom, you know, are now uh, enriching my experience of this thing. You yes. know, it's like, oh, like they're engaging in the conversation about like, oh, I read an interview with like, with Nick Drake's producer where he like said this and this. And like, and it's like, that is what I love more than anything, you know? Um, or like on the, on the Millennium video, the, one of these songwriters reached out to me, you know, and like wanted to talk about it. And like, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And so like for, it's for, it's for those moments that I, that I read the comments. Because um, <sighs> that is the internet, you know, it being what it, should be, which is like a, which is a place where anyone can find community, no matter how niche something is. And in fact, it's often the more niche something is, the more tight knit the community can be. But, um, but that, you know, by the same token, that's why I don't do Twitter and that's why I I don't do TikTok and I probably won't do TikTok. You know, I, I have a general sort of mistrust of all social media and its intentions actually. Like, I feel like I- In terms of them, um, leveraging your data for, for ad, for ad revenue- 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like they're they're certainly leveraging my data for for God knows what purposes. I feel like at this point, you know, and it's like I I just feel like it's a it's a it's a deal that I kind of have no choice but to be in at this point. Well, you're deep in it, man. Yeah, I'm deep in it, you know. And knowing that, it's like the best I can do is just just try and exercise a lot of discretion, you know. I mean, like I I don't use Facebook anymore. I recently went through and deleted like every single photo. Huh? No fan page. So I, I have a fan page, um, but I, but I maintain a personal page only so that I can have a fan page. I I don't have any, I I have like my only friends are immediate family members. I have no photos. I have no biographical info. I have no contact info. Yeah. It's, 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 it's purely because Facebook requires you to have a fan page. And the fact is that a lot of my fan base is of an age range, i.e. like baby boomer, you know, where Facebook is one of their primary sources of information. Absolutely. And so- so if I'm not posting about shows on Facebook, then they'll never know. And so it's like, right. I have to, I have to let people know who want to come see us in a way that they're going to see it, you know? So yeah, of course. that's, that's, a, that's a compromise that I have to make in that regard. But, um, but yeah, I basically keep it to, to YouTube, which obviously is, is my home base. Um, and which I love because it allows me to post long form things. You're a you long form guy. Yeah, I mean, I want to be able to post, you know, at least a full song, and there's an increasing amount of social media that won't even let you do that. You well, know? If, if you if you're not a uh, gas station, you know, firework, and you can't sell them on the first five words of your chorus, you don't hold value in that specific share of the marketplace. And it's right. like, and like that's and, not valid. You don't have to settle for that. Yeah, and 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 I and that's basically like I I have refused to to settle for that at this point because you know I know that there are going to be videos that that fewer people are going to be engaged with or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be guided by the knowledge that there are those people who are actually in it to really engage. And YouTube lets me do that. And it lets me do that in, you know, high fidelity, oh, like yeah. audio, you know, or at least high enough fidelity audio, which is like something that I also really appreciate. And, um, and I know that there are people out there who, who appreciate that as well. And cause like, you know, Instagram lets you post stuff on Instagram TV now, but like the audio sounds like shit, you know, mm-hmm. and like you're watching it on a screen that's this big and that's the only way that you can see it. Um, um but even you, even YouTube over 70% of it's mobile. Yeah. Well, I know, I know. And I, I have to, uh, and I do mix to make things mobile friendly for sure. Do you um, really, it, it, uh, in a high resolution answer, what, how does that work? Are you just cutting out? Is it just more, you're just cutting out more of a high end, a spectrum? No, no. I so usually, I mean, I, I, I have to gauge like I have to gauge compression and EQ, especially on things like acoustic that have a lot of low mid, in a in a way that yeah pl- that plays nicely with phone speakers, you uh-huh. know, where uh, like whatever. I mean, the real the real one is kick kick and bass, uh, kick drum and bass, though. You know, when I work with those, right? Tough. yeah, man. Now, l- luckily, I prefer um, I prefer like a Motowny type bass tone that has these like the very melodic mids to it, you mm-hmm. know. And so it's just a matter of making sure that that those are speaking, you know, that if if I'm going to the trouble of writing a melodic baseline for something that people can hear it regardless of what system they're listening on. But know that like if they're listening on a proper on a proper setup, then they're they're going to get a whole nother dimension to it. You know, it's like I I often feel like listening to music through a phone speaker is like listening to like just like one channel of a pair of stereo speakers, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's basically it. It's like, Oh, one channel of the stereo spectrum or half of the, like the, the frequency range of the human ear. Those are your choices, you know? Um, <laughs> so, we just did a vinyl release for, for our album. And the thing that I was so smitten to have found out was, of course, everyone who ordered the album had listened to it on a streaming platform. 
Uh-huh. And hundreds of, of responses had come in that were along the lines of, I cannot believe the difference here. And so mm-hmm. you can almost thank this um this kind of store brand audio quality ease of entry <laughs> um of manifestation that people initially experience to kind of almost you know um uh, be the opening act for the actual full audio experience it's true you know and i think that particularly with vinyl um <sighs> I, I i'm i'm a huge fan of vinyl you know i've got a pretty elaborate setup and, i'm sure you uh, got the all- macintosh and you're you're doing everything it- real yeah well i don't have a, i don't have a macintosh but i do have a i do have a fancy amp um and i uh you know, it's like I want to I want to create records that are of a fidelity that I would approve of. You know, for like for for my own music. Of course, you know? my and, friend. Yeah. And I think when when people when people listen to records, and part of what is so great about the revival of records, it's like I, I'm not going to weigh in on the analog versus digital debate. I'm not going to weigh in on what nah. sounds better. I think yeah. that various things can sound better at various times. Like fuck it, like good music's good music. But yeah. the thing about records is because it's a thing, because it's playing on a big physical object in front of you, I think people are are predisposed to pay more attention to it because they have to put more effort into listening that way. They're like they want to they want to get more out of it, you know. Um, and so that alone makes, makes the record listening experience a, a richer one for people, I think, especially, uh, who are new to it, you know, compared to what they're used to, because it's so easy to listen passively when all you have to do is, you know, fire up Spotify and just hit a playlist and, you know, and there you go. Oh, and that's the um, thing with these passive views or passive streams that we see artists who, you know, have a, um, a four figure uh, monthly listenership day and they have a song that has uh you know a, a seven figure number and you're like right. well what's right. going on there like well what kind mm-hmm. of artists are we actually creating here and that's something that i think you've done a fantastic job here is actually albeit youtube being your biggest platform you've managed to kind of have strong muscles all around mm. right and so is that something that do you think that this this attention to detail that of course if it's most of your fan base is not going to pick up on um, do you think that's something that manifests is that, and that's the way that that's manifest in the fact that you actually have a real fan base that you can go and tour to, that you can go tour to. Oh, totally. I think those are, I think those are totally two sides of the same coin, you know, because only a small fraction of the people who watch me on YouTube are going to go buy tickets to show. To do you know what that percentage shows. is on, on, are you very data driven? Like the Cosmic Country um, team and I, like we have meetings every Friday and we're talking about what happened this week, what was engagement rate like and, 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 mm-hmm, and what worked mm-hmm. and what not. And are, are you that into it? I, I'm not that into it. No, my, my, my booking agent definitely factors in, you know, markets and like the size of markets and the engagement of markets when he's, when he's booking shows and things like that. But, you know, I mean, let's say we've got, I don't know. Uh, I have no, I, I don't, I, I can't even, I can't even estimate a number that's plausible here, but it's like, say we've got, you know, five, you know, 5,000 people in New York who are watching my videos you know, consistently just like, great. say that. Yeah. But then, you know, we, then we get out of that maybe 250, 300 people who come to a show. That's awesome. Um, which is, which is awesome, but it's also, you know, only, you know, 8% or something like that mm-hmm. of the, of the people who are already the most engaged right. on YouTube. Right. You know, so it's, it's like a percent of a percent basically. Um, mm-hmm. And, w- but what I've tried to do is, is, is always make content that 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 is targeted directly at directly at those people. You the know? top like, tier I, listeners, right? Yes, and I because I know and I know that rule. that approach is, I know that that approach is, has slowed the potential growth of the channel at times. You know, where where I'm I'm saying to people like, 
oh, you might not have heard this before, but I think you're going to like it. And I think it'll be apparent that I've really like tried to do my due diligence on this or whatever. And that turns people off sometimes, you know, like if I'm, do- if I'm mm-hmm. doing something that's a passion project, but that's fine because I think that mm-hmm. it's sort of a long-term investment in, mm-hmm. in the quality of the, of the, of the engagement that you are actually cultivating there. Right. You know, I don't, I don't want to say the quality of fans. It's a shitty way to put it, you know, but it's like, but it's like, I want to, I want to create a, an actual, like, I want, I want, I want fans that really believe in what I'm doing basically, you know, and, and that can, that have a sense of my, my vision, you know, and, and see validity in that, you know, and not just people who are like, oh, you know, I don't, I, I will consider my job to have been done really well if I never go to a live show and, and have someone say, oh, play Sultan's a Swing, you know, because like that to me is indicative of like the, like the, the, like the shallowest dive you could possibly do into my art, you know? And so it's like, obviously I worked hard on that video, but like, if that's, if that is what you know me for and, and you, and you can't interact with all of these other ideas I'm bringing to the table, you know, that's not to say that I'm not grateful, but it's, it's not the type of, it's not the type of relationship with a fan that I'm, that I'm pursuing. So how does that feel for there to be an identity that is most consumed in the world in terms of the quantitative results? That is quite a contrast as to the identity that you're presently trying to empower and mature. Or I understand, of course, they're the same person, but there's going to be many, many people who probably aren't even living in America that see Mm -hmm. that video and it inspires them. And you're the Red Bull energy drink for them that day. And that's fantastic. But that's probably all you're going to be for them. People like me who are so niche that are just, Mm -hmm. you know, learning the Nick Drake Pink Moon video in the middle of Mm -hmm. quarantine. I'm probably such a small fraction of your fan base, but how does that feel? Well, you know, I mean... You know what I'm saying? It's a at, weird at risk, reality. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. I mean, and at risk of having stated myself, you know, too strongly a moment ago, it's like I am, I feel incredibly lucky and at times baffled that 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 people are as engaged with my work as they are in in any form that, that consistently takes, you know? millions of people. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's it's it's crazy to me, and you know, I mean, and there's definitely like an element of you know, I think imposter syndrome there, you know, especially <sighs> with as, as as much great talent as there is on YouTube, you know. Good, and, no, that's a good thing and, to feel. And for all of the and for all of the people who, you know, well, the, yeah, there are plenty of people who have messaged me from like other parts of the world or whatever. It's like, man, saw your Folsom Prison video, and like it's inspired me to pick up guitar. And like, that's amazing. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me that that may be the only video that they ever see or that that may be the video that continues to engage them the most. Like, it, like to have had that impact on anybody, like I've still totally done more than I could have, than I would have ever set out to do. Mm. You know, it's like, it's never my goal when I make a video to be like, I'm going to inspire some people to play guitar, you know? But right. like, if that happens, it's, inc- it's incredible, you know? And I, I definitely feel the, the most fulfilled, I think at times when, like, or at least equally fulfilled, you know, if somebody comes up to me and says like, oh, hey, like I, I watched your Nick Drake video and like, I loved it for this, this, and this reason, like whatever, it's at least as amazing for somebody who hardly knows anything about music to say like, hey, like this, this hit me in a way that something hadn't before, you know, even if it's just one thing that I made, even if it's a, the most popular thing that I made, that's still, I'm grateful for all of it, basically. Yeah, man. The gra- gratitude is a very fantastic energy to find yourself co- constantly trying to kind of keep your nose on the grindstone with mm. because it gives you that space, especially imposter syndrome. I mean, the most terrifying thing is to not feel imposter syndrome and then you make an ass out of yourself. Oh, I think it's dangerous, you know? I mean, it's um, it's the, the great 
the great challenge, well, one of the central challenges of being an artist is knowing exactly how much you're worth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, because I, I think that, I think that to, there, is, there is a certain egotism inherent in pursuing art. You know, there's a certain egotism in, in believing like that, like yes. my experience, my, my art is something that the world needs to see. And damn it, I'm going to keep chasing it no matter what, because I'm right. It's so you know? crazy. In the middle of this quarantine, I just had the realization where it's like, man, who needs more guitar? Who right. needs more, who needs God, more covers? I had the, I had the exact same thought. I had the exact same thought at one point, you know? But like, but that's the thing is we have to find that balance between like, you have to. we have to, we have to believe that what we're doing is worthwhile Yes. in order, in order to keep doing it. That's the secret to any good job. But we can't, we can't go so far as to be like, you know what? I'm pretty damn good at making videos, you know, and these people deserve to know what I've got coming up next. You <laughs> know, it's like, it's, it's, it's just like riding that knife blade, you know, and I definitely swing on to one side of it or other at times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, gratitude, it's like when in doubt, you know, gratitude basically. So and it's also the fact too, of like, honestly, we're not talking to that many people. Like 2 million people is a lot of people, but it's also not a lot of people. Right. Like in terms of just, um, the frequency of, of engaging somebody for 30 seconds, 2 million times. That is like, I've never, of course, attained that on any of my videos, but I'm sure the reality sits with you now where you're like, man, there are, there are videos like this, no BTS video. Like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's not going to (laughs) be like WAP got at least that in like six hours. And so it's like, there's also the kind of realization too, where it's like, if you do have that imposter syndrome for anyone who's listening to where it's like, you can kind of get over it and just realize like the scale that you're operating at too is, it's, it's very plausible and it's very doable. Yeah. It's very achievable. That's, that's been a big, that's been a big thing for me is like, you know, wanting to grow, wanting, you know, to, to reach as wide an audience as I think might enjoy what I'm doing. And, you know, on a more practical level, wanting financial security, you know, as a musician, which can obviously be very elusive, you know, at some times, but then also, you know, allowing yourself to be content with, with where you are and what you have. Um, That's like, you're not going to be in, you're not going to find a way to get inspired unless you find some form of a rationale contentness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Monetizing your asset of YouTube followers, um, which might be a sterile word, but it's a very literal thing. Um, You do so on Patreon, you do so through touring, and you do so through monetizing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, You, of course, mentioned that a lot of your fans are of of probably like, what, 35 plus, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... um, So what's that process like for you? Like, I see you offer merchandise. I see you do... um, you know, print, print on demand looks like merchandise kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. So like, what are your, it, just behind your process of monetization without mentioning anything that's too personal? Well, I mean, you know, I, um, so I work with a uh, partner network called Studio 71 um, that basically they work with a bunch of creators as like a middleman between. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, between the creator and between like YouTube slash like Google's ads department. And what they do is they 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 say to a potential um, advertiser, you know, we're we're vetting these creators. We know that they are making high quality content, that they have a high level of fan engagement, and therefore, you know, advertisers will pay more to have ads placed on channels that are in one of these networks. A blue chip, and, more or less. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And and so in exchange, uh, you know, the the network takes a takes a you know percentage commission. 
that is, you know, not equivalent to the amount of value that they're adding, obviously. Um, but then they also are just like helping you, you know, work with the algorithms in terms of search engine optimization and, and, and discoverability and, and all these like mm-hmm. horribly boring things. They, um, are, they are quite boring for creative people, even albeit intelligent like we are, not mm-hmm. to toot your own horn. It's not like we don't have the capacity to understand and interpret those those results, but yeah. simply that that chip that that chromosome doesn't seem to be in your prime hand. No, no, it's you know I mean I, I don't I don't I don't like get off on on optimizing my channel not, like not <laughs> in the slightest like I wouldn't I you know it's like I I, I optimize I, I I live in this space where like I know that it needs to be good you know but I'm just like all right I'll add this to the description and I'll link to this and this you know. Um, right. But yeah, so, so that's, that's one aspect of, of monetizing the fan base. Uh, another aspect is Patreon, which, so I, I got on Patreon really early on. Um, oh, wow. I think they, I, I joined in March of 2016. Um, wow. It had only been, only been around for, I think, less than a year. And, um, and you know, pretty early, it seemed like it could be, there, there were there are a lot of people, especially in that older age range, who have this gut feeling about about entertainment that like entertainers deserve to be paid in a certain way, you know, and that and that they should be paying for the entertainment that they want to consume. Um, and so, you know, that has been incredibly fortuitous for me because you know it was a natural thing. So you know th- they had this feeling already, and they're like, "Man, I can't believe I'm watching all these videos for free." And then I say, hey, here's Patreon. You know, here's a way that you can very directly support me as an artist in a way that will feel familiar to you, you know, coming from the older days of the music industry. Uh, and obviously in exchange, you get a higher level of engagement from me. You get, you know, bonus content. Um, the bonus content sort of- being like, um, uh, what was it? Three different audio qualities. Uh, behind each video that you post on YouTube, yeah. and then I'm yeah, the you know, Q&A. yeah, I'm 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 doing MP3s and WAV files where like most of my covers aren't available on streaming services yet, so it's one of the few ways that you can sort of directly get the audio. I'm doing oh. like weekly up weekly updates on like here's a forecast of all the things I have coming up and what you can expect, you know, like things like that, and right, uh, and even some even some like um, very low volume like streams for the highest level you know patrons and stuff and. Um, but the reality of the fact is, you know, I can see in the analytics that there are some people who are super engaged with with what I'm providing to the patrons, but there are a lot of people who just want to give me money. You yeah, know, there that's are a lot a real of people thing. who just feel like this is in like the, what you are putting online is enriching my life, and I want to support. I want to allow that to continue. I want to sh- I want to engage with that in a way that has a monetary value as opposed to a follower, as opposed to a exactly. comment and a share, yes. which also have value, but not on the monetary side. And there is right. a weird disconnect in our generation that you and I share. If, if you don't mind, how old are you? Twenty eight. Okay, so we were born in the nineties, and so like right when we started consuming music, it mm-hmm. was potential viruses from from Russia that were on Napster. Right. Right. And so right. it's like our Kaza for everyone. Big, big old throwback from Kaza. Um, it's kind of foreign to us to think that we pay for an album at full. My nine-year-old sister, the way she consumes an album is alien-like to me. It is right, absurd. Right. But I mean, man, going back, you know, even just five years before you were born and then onward backwards, there is that kind of subconscious, oh, I, I should probably attach a monetary figure to the mm-hmm. artist who's putting out this content. So good on right. you for finding those people, man. That is fantastic. I think you have over yeah. 800 patrons. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and it's also That's you know a fuck ton of people that want to give me money. I, <laughs> I think that there are an increasing number of of young people who are, are actually coming to understand that as well. Absolutely, um, and. And that has been especially gratifying for me to see, you know, because um, like even if they can't, you know, donate as much or whatever, like it's actually like the, the fact that they're doing it is almost more meaningful, you know, just because like it is not it's not obvious to it's, it's it was not born obvious to them that this is the way that, you know, it's like if you want this to continue, you have to do something about it, basically. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, and then, and with shows, um, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been a really interesting mix, um, of, Mm -hmm. uh, fans who, so I I would say there's, there's sort of a dividing line. There's like, there's like four, there's like 40 to 75. Like there's the people who were there who were like, you remind me of like the music that I listened to when I was a kid. Beautiful. And and it gives me, you know, and like gives me hope and like whatever and and comfort. and, And that's amazing. And then there is this younger group of people who is like yeah. like my like my age down to like hey can I please get into the show even though I'm not 18 yep. you know um, who are like it, where it's actually new to them to be like look at these guys who like aren't doing unboxing videos and they just like it's clear how they they they're they're buying into how much basically how much enjoyment they see me having on YouTube and that is a new thing to them because they're not comparing it to their childhood or whatever it's not it's not through these rose-colored glasses of nostalgia about like this is when this reminds me of like you know when i was driving my camaro and you know smoking reefer in 1972 it's like it's uh it's like whoa like this is like this thing that just feels totally foreign to me in the in the context of the music industry and like and i want to be doing that you know it's very foreign. Um, what you're doing is very unique man yeah so uh thank you and that's that's so those are the two sort of I see worlds, you know, and, and there's, you, you see some of that stratification on social media as well. Like I think that YouTube represents by and large the, the older group of people and like Instagram, which I was reluctant to engage with at first, uh, represents a lot of the younger people, which is why I've continued to engage with it, you know, because, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's really fertile ground to, to be trying to engage people for whom this is a, a very new and exciting thing and not just a nostalgic thing. Um, you know, who are, you know, more sort of primed to new ideas and kind of coming on this journey, you know, with us a little bit. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I monetize <laughs> mostly. <laughs> so those, 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 those three things. Well, it's very fascinating to see how somebody who kind of obviously doesn't have a label, um, in terms of a major label, uh, with, with A&R minds behind them plotting out campaigns that correlate with merchandise drops and pop-up shops. And and then, <clears throat> you know, no one's doing any of this for you, basically. And I I love that. That's, the, the, yeah. the merch stuff, I guess, so full disclosure, um, I've had, so the, the booking agent has also, um, like, takes an extra commission for, like, sort of, like, pseudo-managerial administrative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and has helped with some of those, has helped with some of those things. He's like, oh, like, here's this, here's this merch distribution company that you could work with. You oh, know, sure. But it's yeah, like, so you, it's still you though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you represent, especially for guys like me, like in, in the people who are in our generation, like no one's going to do this for you. Right. Like no one's going to come up with this idea for you. No one's going to figure out how to, how to, how to put the mic behind your shoulder for you. So you get the old technique, right? right? No one's going to tell you to put the felt on the guitar. Nobody's going to tell you what markets to go and tour. And unless you put the team together yourself, you've done Mm -hmm. a really admirable job, man, at, at putting it all together in a way that sounds like you're doing it. That is not hasty. It sounds like you, mm. you let yourself take your time. 
uh, which is really admirable. And you stay really diligent to your craft. And I'm assuming you don't really, you really don't really put anything out you to to, uh, to compromise. You put something out when it has your stamp of approval. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's basically like if if I feel like a, an idea isn't ready, then I'll you know, just sort of fast track something that is easy <laughs> and put that out and have it just be easy, at, but ready. <laughs> and then, and then wait until the, you know, the bigger thing is, is ready to go. So. Whoa, man. Would you have anything in the pipeline that people should be excited about that you feel like disclosing that is? Um, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you know, I'm still sort of like, I'm still sort of in this lull, I think after putting out public life. Um, There's a I'm lull. Just, a little, I mean, relatively speaking, like the the pace of the videos is the same, but like, you know, I'm I'm trying to allow myself to take a break from a big long term overarching project for a while, you know, especially while I'm not on, while I'm not on tour and I've just put out an album. I mean, I think Carson and I uh, will probably start working on a new full length album in a couple of months. Um, we've got you know a batch of songs that are nearly ready for that. Um, You'll do it at your apartment, no- I assume. Probably, yeah. Um, Insane. There's there's no uh, there's no active plans for it at the moment, but it's you know it's 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 coming down the pike. Um, and uh, the vinyl the vinyl release of my of Public Life is uh, just a uh, soon from now. It's uh, next Friday, the 18th. Wow. Um, yeah. So obviously, you know, the plating and pressing and everything takes a very long time, which is why it was delayed from oh, yeah. um, the digital release. But uh, yeah, so that's that's next Friday and got a couple covers that are slowly coalescing for the rest of the month and um and then it's just uh monthly live streams with carson as well so no and those are for patreon members no no those are those are open um we we on youtube they're on uh they're on crowdcast um which is a yeah which allows us to ticket them basically Uh um which which has been huge for us so oh do they take a do they take a large percentage they take a flat rate Okay. Okay. Kind of cool. That's cool. Do you yeah. do you like that, or would you rather work with a partner who does a percentage based? Um, I I like the I like the flat rate better personally because yeah. it, it, in in a way I think it incentivizes it incentivizes us more to try and get more people on because no matter how much more we get, we're only losing so much. You know. Yeah. There's a, there's, an, there's an honesty to taking a flat rate that I really appreciate about that. Um. So. Yeah. Man, okay. I had no idea you guys were doing those. I'll have to tune in. Um, I would yeah. love to see you in a live stream. I've never seen you live. And um, I don't know if you've toured Nashville at all recently, but I must not have been in town when you did. The last time we played Nashville, uh, I've only I've only played Nashville for original music once. And it was oh. in, um, I want to say, May of 2019. Um, Definitely. So, so yeah. Well, okay. Well, when you come to town, my, my friend, I, I will, um, whenever in the, in the um, chasm of the future, uh, I'll be the first person in line. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I'm a, an immense fan in the top tier um, and love everything that you do. And it's uh, even more so having had the chance to speak with you and dig into your mind. Well, thank you, man. You're, you're, I've, I've seen some of your work and you're an incredibly fine player as well. So it's, it's high praise coming from you. I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. All right, dude. Uh, have yourself a safe day. Episode 30 of The Lost Highway, y'all, with Mr. Joshua Lee Turner. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please, indeed, go check out his record, Public Life. Watch the video on YouTube as well if you haven't got into that already. Uh, We played his song, Nebraska Dreams, uh, earlier on this podcast. And then we played a version of, of Scarlet Begonias that I simply do not know 
what date or year it is. It was just on a CD that was sent to me in the mail by a Cosmic Country fan that is unmarked. So if you guys can tell what date and what year that is, please indeed let me know because uh, it's, it's very stellar. It's very incredible. If you guys would indeed like to support the podcast, The Lost Highway, we, as we are 30 episodes in, uh, please do so on Patreon. It's only a dollar a month and five days a week I post inspiring, ambient, meditative guitar tracks each morning uh, to start your day off right. Um, another thing as well is to uh, leave a comment and leave a rating on this podcast. That algorithmically really helps out and um, sends the best data possible to all those computers that are that are slowly kind of changing the way we behave as a species. But uh, you, give, you give and take in life, right? Just as Billy Joe Shaver says. Uh Seems like uh, this all this whole world is um, it's all hurry up and wait in this world of give and take. It seems like haste makes for waste every time. Check this out. But I pray to my soul when you hear the mages roll, I'm gonna get my share of mine. I've been to Georgia on a fast train, honey. I wasn't born no yesterday. Got an eighth grade education and a good Christian raising. Although my mom's Jewish, so I didn't get a good Christian raising, but I still love that song. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Stay persistent, stay patient, stay cosmic. 